This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial, Trevor and Autumn Perkins with the Kings Ridge Elderberry Farm, and by our supporters at Patreon.com. I think every pastor has a story like this. Usually it's a young man, or sometimes a not-so-young man, who comes and joins their church, and at first everybody's really excited. This guy seems to know everything about theology. He's read all of the books. He's, you know, listened to every podcast that there is. He can quote Bavink, and he can quote Burkhoff, and he can quote the Reconstructionists, and he can quote them all at length. Seems like a really knowledgeable, mature Christian guy. But then, things begin to happen. Cracks begin to show. Pretty soon you find out that this really spiritually mature guy is gossiping and accusing and dividing and he's an expert on the law and on theology but he doesn't seem to obey any of it and pretty soon the pastors have to get involved bring correction it doesn't always end well there's a reason that paul in titus 3 8 through 11 urges us to do good works and not just talk about them he warns us against those who would rather quarrel about the law than obey it and in that same passage. He says, The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to do good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. They're unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He's self-condemned. See, there's such a thing as a theology scholar attempting to do LASIK eye surgery on his brother while he has a two-by-four lodged in his eye socket. There's such thing as a stingy measure. There's such thing as hypocritical judgment. These things are poison to a joyful, peace-ruled Christian household. Let's set our sights on killing this family of sins in this episode of Brightheart. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bright Hearth. Brian Sauvet here, as always, joined by my lovely bride, mother of my children, a mighty host, Glory, Lexi Sauvet. Hello. <laughs> Hello to you too, babe. Lexi is... Under my favorite Amish quilt. Under her favorite Amish quilt, looking forward to snack time. <laughs> After we got Alfred down, and all the nursing mom knows. About yeah, I was about time. to say, you husbands who who, who have ever nourished a, a nursing mother know that you know you got to keep them fed, guys. They're literally <laughs> make. They're a grocery store. They're a walking grocery store. They're keeping a person alive. Got to keep them fed. Got to keep them fed. Well, welcome back, everybody. Here uh, in this episode, as you heard in the cold open, we're going to be talking about um, really one of the great keys to building fruitful and joyful and productive Christian households, which is the regular crucifixion of the sin of hypocritical judgment and the pursuit of using a generous measure. And we're, of course, continuing here in season three of Bright Hearth with a little bit of a shorter focused season on the issue of Christian peacemaking, how you can put your sin to death, not take any of the roads that we talked about in the last episode when conflict or sin 
you know, maybe your own or somebody else's, your children's, your husband, your wife, comes into your life, someone in your church, there's always going to be paths that you can take that are going to be escape, passive aggressive, maybe attacks, slander, gossip. And we're going to try to get you out of any of those ditches and down the road towards the hard and good work of Christian peacemaking, believing and applying the gospel, dealing with sin quickly, keeping short accounts, and really maintaining the thing without which every household is miserable. Because it doesn't matter what's on the table. It doesn't matter what's growing in the garden. It doesn't matter how many kids you have. If every day you come home and you're, you're just bickering and fighting and mad, and it's miserable. No, you won't enjoy any of it. No, and, and we've, we've, you know, we uh, love one another deeply. And even those little blips in a good marriage, when you kind of get a taste of like, oh, we're out of fellowship, we need to get back in fellowship. Those are not good minutes, days, whatever. I mean, those are, those are bad times. So we want to help you guys equip. We hope this season's very, very practical. Two quick notes for you, housekeeping notes. Number one, we're already looking forward to season four. And season four of Bright Hearth, after, again, this short focus season, is going to be something we've never done before, and that is a season of just your questions. We wanted to collect your top 5, 10, 12 questions that everybody sends in over and over again and do an episode on each of those questions or topics that sort of come up and say, what do you guys want to hear? What questions are you struggling through? What issues in your home? And we're going to do an episode. We're going to do an episode notes and a season of that. So there's a link at the bottom of the description where you can leave us your questions for season four. It'll just take you to a Google form. You don't even have to give us your name or anything. You can just put a question there, uh, send it in, and we'll be reminding you through this season to be doing that. And then we'll just collect and pick the best ones. And babe, if you want to submit some, I won't even know. (laughs) I think my most asked question is about the red lights. (laughs) That's so funny. Now you have to explain what you mean. If anyone follows me online, I we have red lights. I'm sure all of our listeners know what red lights are. Okay. It's not the song. No. No. But <laughs> I do sing that song a lot. She does when she turns on her red light. <laughs> yeah, I'm just laughing because it is literally one of the most asked questions. And That's I feel so like funny. I've answered it's it true. a lot of it's times, true. but it's still asked a Very lot. Very <laughs> true. Oh, and one other thing before we jump in. Then we're gonna mm-hmm. I promise we're gonna jump in. Go check out if you haven't already. I know what this episode's gonna come out, I think Monday, July third. I have a new single out, A Mighty Host, which is about somebody in this room right now. It's about <laughs> Lexi. <laughs> so this is one of my first attempts, especially publicly, of writing just Christian love songs because we think the pagans shouldn't write all the best music. And uh, so I'm doing that, and I'm also doing a fundraiser to help finish that album and my next Psalms album. Uh, there'll be a, another link that you can check out there if you're interested in supporting those projects. And I hope you guys... Listen to the song. Tell me what you think. If you hate it, if you love it. I'm thinking about the first time that you ever dedicated a song to me publicly. And it was when you, I'm not going to say the band name. (laughs) Please don't. But I was helping at your merchandise table. You were. And it was at a, it was downtown. The basement. Is that what it was called? Yeah, that was the venue. I don't even know. Well, anyways, I didn't know what to do, but I think my mother assumed I was on acting I don't know, gracious, not gracious, um, thankful enough that you did that. She was like, 
didn't you hear what he just did? I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to do about it. Shit, what do you want me to do? Like pom poms? I wasn't sure. I was like, yeah, uh, I know you. I did not expect a great public display of fireworks. I was like, okay, I'll keep selling your CDs. Thanks. <laughs> so glad Anyways, that those don't exist anymore. I was anymore. thinking about that the other day. Yeah, guys, don't go try to find that music. Listen to the music I put out now because <laughs> I was like 18. That was, okay. That was good music Man, too. Thanks, babe. Lexi, there's a song on the album actually that I'm working on that is about how Lexi would fall asleep to my songs when we were dating. <laughs> You've always been a good songwriter. And they were bad songs, guys. She's Whatever. she loves me. It's She's not, gracious. Okay. She's gracious. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay, anyway, to the to, let's get to the meat of it. Let's get to the meat of it. So we're talking about crucifying this sin of hypocritical judgment and pursuing a generous measure. Lexi read Matthew 7, 1 through 5, which is one of those passages that's often abused but it's actually, I think, abused in two directions. It's judge not that you not be judged. That's how it opens. With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. The speck in the log. And so a lot of times you hear the pagans will take this verse, and whenever Christians say, repent of your sin and trust in Christ, stop being you know, promiscuous and fornicating and homosexual and whatever else it is, they say, well, man, didn't you? Jesus said right there. Hey man, judge not. And so obviously that's one ditch that you can fall in. But there's another ditch here, which is to actually miss the point of this passage, which isn't really about, hey, don't ever judge. It's actually about how to see clearly so that you can judge rightly. It's actually how to see clearly so that you can uh, judge your brother in, in a helpful way out of love or your sister, and how to get your own uh, as Pastor Toby Sumter recently said in a sermon in our church, how to have clear eyes and a clean heart. Clear eyes so that you can see clearly, you're not the blind leading the blind, and a clean heart before the Lord. Our friends Trevor and Autumn Perkins own and operate the Kings Ridge Elderberry Farm in East Central Indiana. They believe, as Psalm 24 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. From the antioxidant and vitamin-rich berries to their knowledge of plants and soils and the ridge where their plants are cultivated, they grow American elderberries because their berries have higher quantity and more stable antioxidants than their European counterparts. The Kings Ridge is a quality-oriented family farm focused on building Christendom. Whether you need tasty elderberry syrup or want the highest quality, fresh frozen juice or berries for making syrups, jams, pies, or wine, don't buy dried European elderberries and support the global economic agenda. Visit tkrfarm.com and purchase your elderberry needs from the Kings Ridge Elderberries. That's tkrfarm.com or click the link in the description of this episode. Well, and I think that's what the book of Proverbs is all about, is about helping you read the story accurately so that you can judge accurately, so that you can point. discern what's going on around you. So... Since that book was written and tells us to look at these things around you and labels things as foolish yeah. and not foolish, I think it's totally, this is a skill Christians should have is what I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. This is a skill that we need to have our eyes tuned, our heart tuned to the scriptures, our eyes clear of sin and hypocrisy so that we can look at our kids, we can look at ourselves, we can look at our spouse, and we can help them to see themselves accurately help them to walk in righteousness. That's what we ex that's what one of the things marriage is for is actually to sanctify its members in the image of Christ and to help one another pursue righteousness because to pursue righteousness just is to pursue joy. 
if your spouse is caught an unrepentant sin or if you're an unrepentant sin, if you love them, you don't want them to continue walking in it. Not just for your own good, because it's like, well, they're sinning and it hurts me, but because you actually love them and you're and you're looking at them going, I don't want this for you. So let's let's quickly just define hypocrisy. Just make sure we're all on the same page. When we say hypocritical judgment, what are we talking about? Guess I often think of somebody who's totally different behind closed doors. Well, for whatever motivation, there's lots of motivation, but that's what I would. Yeah, they present a different front. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, maybe not. I think these people are aware that they're presenting. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just socially super weird because there are those people too. But I think a true hypocrite knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's some kind of... Maybe self deception, but there there's a level of awareness. They know they're they're searing their own conscience. They know they're yeah. sinning. You know this. I think it, it literally the word hypocrisy comes from the Greek word hypokrinomai, which is a word that arises from the stage at that the in in ancient Greece. So you'd have actors who would get on stage and they would put on a mask and they would pretend like you're saying to present a public front where they were literally a different character mm-hmm. than the person they literally, and it wasn't sinful, they were they were acting. But that word came to describe someone who was an actor. They're like, oh yeah, I go to church, this is the wife who's very kind to everybody except her husband at home. Who's very respectful of, you know, the pastors and, you know, speaks all the right words and then gets home and is nagging or bitter, rude to the children. This is the father who's, you know, can be patient with everybody at work and kind to everybody, but then gets home and everything's snappish, everything's rude, every everything's, you know, tyrannical. Or he can be really outgoing at work and then he comes home, but he's cold and quiet and sullen to his family. I'm actually just remembering that in the Bible reading challenge in Matthew, I don't remember which chapter, somewhere 25 maybe, mm-hmm. um, where Jesus is talking to the the Pharisees. And he and it's like multiple paragraphs where he opens with you hypocrites. Yeah. And the thing that stood out to me about it was just that it all was about them tying up heavy burdens, like things other people should do, but that they don't have to yep. follow the same standard. He literally said in Luke twelve one that the leaven of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. Yeah. The leaven of the Pharisees. Make sure I'm quoting that right. He's he says, yes, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. It's like there's a double standard for themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. They would tie up heavy burdens that they wouldn't lift with, with their little finger, mm, what yeah, Jesus says. Yeah. So uh, we, we don't want to be hypocrites. And then also this passage in Matthew that Lexi read, obviously being a hypocrite to your family or your spouse, that's going to make your house miserable. But specifically, there's an aspect of hypocrisy that we're focusing on in this episode, which is hypocritical judgment which is, if I could kind of put a face on it, would be the, the guy with the two-by-four in his eye who's trying to perform eye surgery on his brother to get the speck out. So practically in your family, this might look like the hypercritical spouse. You might be this hypercritical spouse, listener, and, and need, this, is, this is some, you need to dig this in, take it to the Lord, repent of it, confess. If you're always critical, you know, a critical spirit, you're, you're continually, the measure you use with everybody is a measure of they must meet my standard of perfection at all times. They must walk on eggshells around me because no one's ever comfortable. They must be explained to death. Yep. Why they're wrong, why this is the right way, you know. Yes, think about how 
<laughs> with it, I always, we laughed about dishes like how i'm always like why are you filling oh. pots up with water <laughs> i'm just kidding everybody has like their particular things but i try not to be a, a, a meanie, meanie about it but you know how this can be like you just you have you're right you have this yeah everything is always your way or the highway and, and and what you're doing if you're doing that is you're waving around this big two by four of a harsh hypocritical spirit you would never be able to stand under the kind of judgment you're giving everybody else. Yeah. Like if someone measured you by that standard, you'd fall like you wouldn't be able to stand. And yet that's the measure you're using with everybody. All right. So when we start talking about biblical peacemaking, which deals with confronting sin, confessing and repenting, this is one of the ditches that you can fall in. Particularly if someone, if you're someone who goes, yes, let's talk about biblical peacemaking. Cause I got a lot of problems with all these people. <laughs> Like, my husband needs this. Okay, well, beware. Beware. The point, the point is to get the log out of your own eye before you judge, not so that you don't ever judge, but that you don't judge while you're blind. Clear eyes. Clear eyes, clean heart. So hypocritical judgment is the enemy. Let's let's actually... Let's also, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead in my, my outline here a little bit because I think this would probably be the, the best thing to follow with. But we're saying that the goal here is that you would be able to judge rightly and mercifully. So basically not using a standard where if everybody used that standard on you, you would immediately be crushed. Mm-hmm. When we say a generous measure, because on the other side we said, don't, don't be a hypocritical judge, have a clear eyes, clean heart. But also we're saying have a generous measure with other people. What, what are we talking about? When we say that, well, I immediately think of the parable where the mm-hmm. debtor was freed from a really large debt, but immediately goes down and shakes someone down basically for like two pennies. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't being very generous with their or merciful with their yeah. judgment towards other people, yet they had been given like a huge inheritance of mercy, essentially. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that, that if you've been, we have, each of us have been entrusted with like a ton of forgiveness a ton of reconciliation between us and Christ, a ton of mercy, a ton of grace. And so that should really change the way we view our own sin, but also the sins of others around us so that we can actually, because you can't reconcile without mercy. Like there's no way for that to happen. So if you really want to reconcile with somebody or you want to see them at peace with Christ and you're confronting their sin, there has to be mercy involved. Yeah. So I think practically, I've said this in other places before, but like I know I really, really know when there's a difference and I'm confronting somebody because I'm genuinely broken for their sin and I want to see them out of the sin versus I'm confronting them because I have to or I'm frustrated or someone's put me up to it, you know, something like that. There really is a difference. And, you know, there's times that you do still have to do that out of obedience because it's the right thing to do at the right time. But I I know that there's a difference like when God's supernaturally providing me to be merciful towards somebody. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe maybe some practical questions to draw this out a little bit more with a generous measure. What would be some examples that come to mind maybe for a wife in her everyday life with her husband and with her children, maybe with her friends in church? Some examples of what would a a generous measure look like? Mm -hmm. What would a stingy measure look like? I think something that keeps coming up for me recently is just understanding people's paths. Like it does, it doesn't give an excuse for their sin, Mm -hmm. but it does help. It helps me like get in their, 
shoes, I guess you could say. Yeah. So that I can be more merciful Mm -hmm. and understand, also know how to better talk to them about their sin. Yeah. Because if I don't always understand where someone's coming from, I'm not going to understand how to help them see correctly, like you're saying. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And so for like with a with a child, they have like I loved what Pastor Toby said about they're just like dropped here. They don't know anything about the world. That was so So why do you keep asking them why do you do that? They don't know why. They don't know anything about this. Yeah. So like really understanding that kids really do need a lot of talking to because Mm -hmm. they're learning about the world for the first time. That's the like atmosphere and situation they're coming from. So it can help me be more merciful and less frustrated towards redundant, repetitive parenting, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point. Does that make sense? Yeah, like when you know where they're coming from, even with a friend, if because what you find is that when you ever, all of us are trying to get to the ideal, which is the likeness of Christ formed in mm-hmm. us by grace and through faith. That's Second Corinthians three eighteen. We all, with unveiled face, beholding yeah. the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from one degree of glory to another into the same image. And this comes from the Lord. So it's one degree at a time, and that that does mean that there are going to be people in your life. Your children are a great example because mm-hmm. they're they're dropped here, mm-hmm. way farther degrees away than you hopefully are. Yeah. Right, they're like this brand new thing. But your friends are going to be the same way. Your husband or spouse. Hopefully, you're not unequally yoked in the sense that, like, mm-hmm. they're saved for ten minutes and you're a ten. You know, you're a mature saint. That would probably you'd get some premarital counseling, folks, before you get married. But yeah, like you have to recognize where they're coming from so that you can go, oh, the sin they just sinned was totally real, one hundred percent real. But I also know that they came from a drunk abusive father they were saved two minutes ago i'm not going to treat them with the same i'm going to give a generous measure and Mm -hmm. i'm going to say if that was me how can i love them as i would want to be loved yeah kind of patience i don't mean this in like have solidarity Mm -hmm. sympathize like all that i like the biblical principle that i think of actually came from instruments in the redeemer's hands which is a really good book for biblical i don't remember i think it's ed welch actually okay but he was talking about how Christ incarnated to us. He came down into our situation yeah. to better help us. And so that's what we can do when we're counseling others or confronting them or whatever, parenting them, is we can incarnate love by thinking and like getting down on their level, essentially. Yeah, yeah not the empathy <clears throat> whirlpool where you're like, I'm going to get sucked down and feel the same feelings they're feeling. Like, oh, they're really angry. If I'm going to identify with them, I better get angry too. No, but you. we have a sympathetic high priest who has suffered the same weaknesses we did. He took on humanity. And so he can sympathize with us in our weakness without getting rid of the line, without getting rid of the standard. He's, mm-hmm. His goal is to take us to the standard. So a generous measure is simply when we, Jesus draws this correlation very directly. This is a straight line in Matthew 7. It's a straight line in Matthew 5. It's a straight line in the Lord's Prayer. Over and over, we're told, you should treat people, judge people, interact with people the way that you would want God to interact with you. Yep. That's why he says, yep. when, you, when you forgive people, forgive people the way that you want God to forgive you. I mean, Jesus literally teaches us to pray that. I was just thinking of that. When you, when you pray, the, I love that we pray the Lord's Prayer so often because mm-hmm. it's such a good reminder of you're first asking to be forgiven, and then, then the prayer talks about forgiving others. Yeah, those two things are wrapped up in one another because you're coming fresh off the mercy, the mm-hmm. daily mercies of Christ, so that you can go deal merciful with people daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would it look like, do you think, to have a stingy measure with your 
husband or with your spouse as a wife? Like really practically or like just, how would you feel? Super. Pr- well, both because it's okay. practical, I think, for, for two ways. It's helpful for the wives to be like, yep, that's how I felt. Okay. And for the husbands to go, oh, that's how <laughs> she feels. Okay. So I would say just like constant annoyance, not wanting to talk without having some snide remark or just uh-huh. not talk cold shouldering. You're just because, and the reason it's, it's lacking in mercy is because you're not being quick to cover over offenses. Uh-huh. You're instead dwelling on them. So you can't be friendly. You can't be uh, hospitable. Yeah. And outwardly, I guess, yeah, it could look like the cold shoulder. It could look mm-hmm. like snapping. It could look like like repeating yourself constantly. Uh-huh. I, I think for like marriage and parenting, I usually know that's like when I'm getting annoyed mm-hmm. is when I'm just saying the same things over and over again. Yeah. When they're really genuinely unnecessary. There are times to repeat yourself when it's necessary, but this is not one of those occasions. Yeah, yeah. On the, on the men's side too, so a man to his wife, a stingy measure... I think one of the ways that that is tempting for people who might listen to this podcast or be into this is to start to listen to some of the manosphere, especially the pagan manosphere stuff, the red pill stuff as it talks about women. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that it does is the red pill movement sometimes it's like a it's like a broken clock. It does get some things that it's like, oh, feminism is bad. Oh, I know what you're right? going to say. So what it can do is it can be like, look at all these sins of women. Even if they don't use the word sin, that's what they're talking about. Look at all these sins of women. And it can make men really hypersensitive to the sins of their wives or of women in general. And pretty soon, the men are completely ignoring the literal command of God of God to you. Like think of 1 Peter 3, 7. Yeah where you're to treat your wife in an understanding way, knowing she's the weaker vessel, which is like, okay, no, notice notice, and study, understand your wife as a, as a woman. She's different from you. Like, understand that she has weaknesses in areas where you have armor, right? And then live with her with understanding. A stingy measure is like, I'm going to focus and hyper, I'm going to hyper emphasize flaws, weaknesses, the fact that my wife is more emotional than me, uh, and and I'm I'm just going to be like cold and surly and hyper rational to her, mm. and always be just. You shouldn't be saying your your feelings are, you know, ridiculous. You shouldn't feel this. This is stupid. Stop. Be instead of living with your wife in an understanding way, where you do seek to understand literally what kind of creature is this that I'm living with, <laughs> and <clears throat> use a generous measure, not a stingy measure with her. I think it can be. T- it, there's a there's a ditch to be aware of. The moment you start to be, become more and more aware of the errors of feminism is to react by beginning to actually despise the feminine. Yeah, and and it's true. And that's a hypocritical judgment because you're despising the feminine and actually you are literally in that disobeying the way that God told you that you are to behave even when it comes to the weakness of your wife, which is understanding gentleness. And he says, God won't listen to your prayers. So it's a serious thing. <laughs> Practically, how, how can you make... So let's say someone goes, yeah, that's me. I have, a, I have a stingy measure. I couldn't withstand the judgment that I'm using on everybody else. How can you make your measure more generous? How can Shut you make mouth. it bigger? Be quiet more? That's literally, yeah. <laughs> no, that's very... I think it's, that's 100% um, true. Un- unpack that. Why is that so important? 
I think immediately of James 1, 19 says, know this, my beloved brother, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think it's in the Proverbs where it talks about the man who's running his mouth. Sin is not lacking. (laughs) Essentially. So right there is a principle of like, if you're talking a lot, you're probably sinning a lot on average. Yeah. Okay. But then if you take this section of James, it's also important to understand that there seems to be a connection between anger and being quick to speak. Yeah. And the reason we should be slow, we should be quick to hear and slow to speak is because it's not actually our anger that's going to change the situation. That's going to make it more righteous. It's not you nagging your husband. That's going to make him finally like want to lead catechism. It's at night. It's not your frustration at your kids, like forgetfulness. It's going to make them suddenly clean up their room every Monday morning. That's not how it works. Yeah. That's a great point because you, I think when you, when you are in this state of being stingy, and having a very hypocritical judgment because you're being hypercritical, hyper aware of everybody else's, everybody else's fault. And it's making you increasingly blind to your own faults. I think it is true that speaking less is very important because how are you imposing your hypercriticality? It's usually going to be through the quip, the, the word, the, the tone, the, the snapback, the sarcastic rejoinder. Well, and it's, I just, James 1 has been such a helpful chapter for me for years, but it is it is interesting that the solution farther down in the chapter is that it's not about our words. Our words are to be quiet. We're to be doers of the word. Yeah. It's like that's what the correction is. You need to be quiet and quit trying to assert your wisdom into the situation, and you need to instead obey. Yeah, yeah. Do you desire to be financially shrewd for the sake of your family and future generations? We know that a robust society depends on getting this right, success in building and passing on personal wealth. Let's be mature, responsible leaders with the resources God expects us to turn a profit on, to love our children and children's children well. Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial integrates investments, debt, insurance, tax strategies, and legacy planning in a holistic approach coaching his clients to act wisely. You can do better than you received. You can affect your family's trajectory and maximize your efforts to set up long-term fruitfulness. Joe starts with your values and goals, then provides impactful counsel to help you form and implement your plan. Visit him online at backwardsplanningfinancial.com or just tap on his website link in the description and reach out to Joe to get started today. So, so yeah, really, like we talk to our kids, you know, mm-hmm. back talk. Yep. They're like, well, I don't understand. How do I, how do I obey it? I'm trying to stop. And it's like, you're not though. Cause your mouth is still open. Yeah. We tell them if often, your mouth is open. You're disobeying. Trying is not what we're asking you to yeah. do. Doing just, yes. Do and shut so the mouth. Getting it really simple. A lot of times this is helpful for kids and for us well, it, to it, say it, like, just stop talking. And I think women, because we are complex, we're more emotional. We think the solutions should be more complicated sometimes Ah, in in my experience it's not that way at all it's just that we don't like the what the uncomplicated solution is yeah we don't want to obey it yeah and what you'll find is that a lot of these situations where you're tempted to in anger speak or in you know sarcastically speak to try and it's because you're frustrated with something that's happening maybe it's legitimately frustrating maybe you're being too sensitive but either way 
what you're doing in that situation is reaching for a tool of the flesh to try and fix somebody else's flesh acting up. Yeah, I'm even thinking of that verse maybe in Isaiah about the Lord drawing us with cords of mercy. Yes. Like, don't you know that it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance? So it's the this is what we mean by a generous spirit. We're basically, in a generous measure, we're basically saying, look at how the Lord Jesus Christ is to you. Mm-hmm. Think about the number of times in the average day that you sin. <laughs> and I mean not just sins of commission where you go and hit your sister or like speak a harsh word to your wife, but sins of omission. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself all the time. Okay, so... Every time you fall short of that is an opportunity for God to zap you, for God to come down and be like, immediately bring heavy conviction for your sin. And the Holy Spirit could do that. The Holy Spirit's more than capable of, in a moment, bringing extreme conviction for your sin and awareness of the guilt of it. And and how often does the Lord do that? Well, in his mercy, he's patient. He draws out our sin, often slowly over years. He gives us a test. We fail it. He waits. He brings help. We retake the same test in six months. We pass it. And that's just one little thing. We keep doing this over and over and over. And that's the Lord's, again, from one degree of glory to another. And what we're doing with a hypercritical measure is we're saying, we have a better standard than God. Let's fix everything right now. And you know what else? I think I'm better than God because I can do it with my words or with my frustration, with my anger, I can fix my husband. And what you're doing is you're just waving around a big log in your eye. You're just whacking everybody with your eye two by four. You're not like you're not helping anybody repent of even one sin. In fact, what you're probably doing is provoking your children to wrath, provoking your husband, and making everybody want to sin more. Yeah, that there's a verse in Zephaniah, I think it's three fifteen, that talks about the Lord singing over us. Yeah. And like if he can do that to us, mm-hmm. like the amount of sin towards an eternal God is more than anyone can ever sin against you. Yeah. So if if he can so forgive you and be merciful be merciful towards you and then sing over you, mm-hmm. <laughs> how yeah. much more should you be able to correct your child who's being so frustrating yes. with a smile on your face? Yes. You know? Yes. So how do you get a more generous measure? One of the ways is simply to speak less. Again, and especially when you start to get frustrated, when you get in that I joke about this, pastors get most of their calls on Saturday. You know, it's like often your day off. Why? Because that's the day when husbands and wives are home together. So like most of the, uh, hey, pastor, there's a big blow up fight or we have this thing. Can you can you coach us through it? Can we set up an appointment? And I'm not fussing about that. That's just that's just life. That's that's fine. But the reason is because they're together. So a lot of the time what I tell couples that that make that call or we're talking through it, I'm like, okay, let's set up an appointment and talk. But right now, here's what I want you to do. You're really frustrated. What you need to do is you need to inventory in this situation, how many of the sins did you commit? Name all of them, right? Okay, now that you've named all of them and they're like, okay, yeah, but I wanna talk about their sin. Well, no, hang on, hang on. Name all your sins and I'll talk to them in a minute. Now you're gonna tell them every sin that you committed. Hey, you know, honey, the husband might need to say, this morning I responded to something you said and I got really frustrated and I was really harsh. I was, I raised my voice. I, I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. Do you forgive me? Okay. And then they, and he goes through the list and then she goes through the list and says, yeah, well, the reason you said that was because I, you know, when you asked if I was going to cook breakfast, I said, well, you know, what are you doing? You lazy so-and-so. 
Which is such a rude thing. We to say. are not very good at I know. fake fighting. I know. Look at this. I've never. This is you, so and so, and then she was rude and sarcastic, and so he responded with rudeness, and then she needs to name those sins and. And, and the way that, um, again, the other day, Pastor Toby Sumter preached at our church. He preached on some of these things. And he, he was talking about how you have this pile of sin that's your sin, and there's a pile of sin that's their sin, and it's all mixed together. And what you need to do is you just need to identify every brick of sin and deal with it. And then, okay, and then the Lord deals with it. And then you just keep going until you hit the floor, and there's no more. And most people don't ever do that. They won't do it because of multiple things. And one of the things is because they don't have a generous measure in forgiving, and they don't have a generous measure in being the first one to go and saying, okay, I'm going to break the ice, even if I feel like it's 80% their fault. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm waiting till they, I deserve it. Knowing full well they sinned in a huge number of ways. What do you need to do? Well, you need to get the log out of your own eye. You need to clear this stuff, you need to clear this stuff up till you get to the floor and then be in fellowship and, and, and in the same way that you would hope that they wouldn't bring all of your sin back up in half an hour, don't bring their sin up. And if both of you do that, here's the glorious thing. You can sit down and watch a cheesy episode of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch on the History Channel All with you your spouse and being fellows. listeners who say it's cheesy, y'all are wrong. The show. Y'all are so wrong. It's so, so wrong. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love cheesy? it. cheesy? It's a I little... I will defend it. <laughs> I don't think Haunted Cosmos listeners know who the more unhinged one is between the two of us. Oh, I knew. It's Lexi, 100%. 100%. <laughs> she sends me reels and I'm like, what? <laughs> You think the pyramids were built by anyways, like, anyways, <laughs> okay, anyways, 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 anyways. <laughs> no, but it's just when you use a generous measure and you get the log out of your own eye and you don't insist on waiting until the other person does that, this glorious thing happens where you can be at peace with your spouse and you can be at peace with your kids and you can be I in guess fellowship. there is, I forget because you've trained me well, but <laughs> I guess there really is that temptation to wait Oh, for yeah. a long time. Unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You guys, you guys, <laughs> you people who do that, you're Stop. wasting hours of your life. Like, yes. think about it. You literally are wasting so many hours of your life and you need to think about that. Mm -hmm. And I remember one, I've probably going on and on, maybe making no sense. I love looking it. At Keep the going clock. No, no, I was, I, I was remember, like, you go girl. I don't do it anymore, but I used to do like an end of the year inventory thing going into the new year. Found it very, very helpful. Helped me set goals. Now Misty helps me set goals. <laughs> Misty <laughs> um, Winkler. But I remember one year thinking, I don't remember what the question was, but it, it basically dawned on me. I had spent a lot of that year working, like really wanting to not be angry and frustrated and quick yeah. to to blow up sort of a thing. And I just remember like the weight of how much time, if you think about a year, Mm -hmm. how much of my year did I waste? Yeah. Either not being quick to ask forgiveness yep. or stewing too long on something or just spending time unproductively being angry instead mm -hmm. of productively being joyful. And it, that really was like so depressing to think about how yeah. much time I wasted. Yeah. It, so it's get back in fellowship quickly. Yeah, how many Saturdays? Yeah, exactly. Again, like that's when the husband and wife are together. Yeah. He's off work. And, and like, Within by nine a.m. How you're many fighting. vacations? Oh, how yes. many birthday parties? How many like yes. because you can't be quick. And I like I do like I think even a uh, never mind. I Doug Pastor Doug mm -hmm. has talked about you don't get out of the car, you don't go anywhere. Like you yeah. have to put a hard stop on it, or you yeah. will 
keep going. I don't think we've ever been in that situation where we've needed to do that. But you, no. if, mm. if this is a temptation for you, you should put a hard stop on it and tell your yeah. husband like, Hey, I know I'm tempted to draw this out. I'm giving you permission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't go into church when that happens. Yep. We don't, you know, go to the movies when that happens. We deal with this first. So yeah, you do the awkward thing when the people yeah. come over. We this has happened to us before. Like when we used to have a house church, there there were a few times because like you're doing this, this little uh, small group kind of thing. A bunch. It's yeah. stressful. Like you're trying to get everything ready, and someone says something snippy, and then you're like, you're, you're you can tell there's like a low level frustration between us. I'm talking years ago, guys. We haven't done this in years, and the people are starting to come over. And I do remember us at least once going in our room. Okay. And me saying must have ended well because I don't What's going like we need to <laughs> I need to kiss you right now and you need to kiss me back and we need to like there wasn't big stuff even in this in this situation no, like No, it's usually not. It wasn't a big I'm going to confess it. It was like, "Hey, look, that was stressful. Let's Well, hug okay, for a so second. that is the thing is if you Move do on. have a habit of doing it quickly, it's not going to be big stuff. It doesn't have to be. So you don't have to cancel house church that night so you guys nope. can have a fist fight. No, you don't have to like glare at each other while everyone knows for the next three hours going, I, I wish I was dead or not here because everyone could tell, by the way. And it's embarrassing and it's, and, and what is at the root of it? It's it, at the root of it, you guys, it's that you have a log in your eye of sin or bitterness and that maybe they do too. Maybe you're, you're, you're sword fighting with your eye logs, you know, and both of you need to get the log out of your eye. I think I know two like five and seven year olds. who. Oh boy. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) So true. Who who went to bed early today because of it. And, and what do you need to do? We need, you need to look in the mirror of the word of God. I mean, ruthlessly at yourself. And, and, and you say, James says that there's this thing you can do where you look in the mirror of the word, you walk away, you forget what you look like, and you're an idiot. And that's the person who is a hearer of the word and not a doer. So you need to look in the word and say, I'm so mad at my spouse, my kid, whoever else, someone in the church. All right, Lord, where are my sins? I want to get all of them out so that I can have clear eyes, so that if I do need to go and confront this, yeah. if I do need to go say, look, you sinned against me, and you need to go do Matthew 18. You need to do Galatians 6.1. Galatians 6.1 is very helpful, guys. It says, "You who are when, when, so, when anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself lest you be tempted. What does that presuppose? You have clear eyes. You're spiritual. You're not in the flesh. Okay, so, so one last thing in this episode, and it's something Lexi said earlier when we were first talking about this episode uh, before we hit record that it's important that you don't let this command to get the log out of your own eye stop you from judging rightly and confronting sin when it needs to be confronted appropriately because that is the whole point of the passage. You need to get relentlessly clear in the scripture, clear eyes, clean heart before the Lord, and then what can you do? Then you can go and lo- you can cover the offense if you need to. You can confront it. You can do some of those peacemaking things that we talked about last week. Uh, and that we'll continue to talk about more strategies and practical ways. Okay, now what? We're going to talk about that because I know a lot of you are asking like, yeah, okay, I have clear eyes, clean heart, but I do need to like confront my wife about some sin that's been, she's been a rain cloud around our house for six months and I need to go help her get out of that mud, right? Okay, how do I do that? We're going to talk about that. That's not this episode. This episode is before you do that, get your measure generous, make sure it's Christ's measure towards you, Get your eyes clean, or get your eyes clear, and then and then we'll talk about that. So when you said that, 
you did mention there's a certain type of person who will hear some of this mm-hmm. and they will make a mistake. So I want you to just explain that a little bit more because I thought that was really good insight about the overly introspective. Yeah, this is me. This ah. is me when there's when there's like hard confrontation. I wouldn't even say confrontation. I can become overly worried. Like mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm confront them now, I struggle with that sin. So yeah. I'd just be a hypocrite going and doing that. And anybody who's been a pastor's wife for any amount of time knows that you often find yourself in a lot of hard, awkward counseling situations. Yeah. And so you, if you just disobey this, then you're not going to be helping anybody. You're not going to be helping yourself actually deal with the sin and put it yeah. away. Like yeah. the passage says to do, but you're also not going to be, loving the person you need to be confronting. So yeah, I just, I just think that's a warning. Like if some of you guys know that you have more of a tender conscience yep. when it comes to being really quick to feel conviction or sin, mm-hmm. overly zealous in lots of ways, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> understand that that sin can be parted from so that you can go and do the next good work of yeah confronting someone in love. Yeah. We're not talking about like, Oh, I, I, you know what? I did that same sin this year. I can't confront. No, yeah. we mean like that. That's that's what I would do, though. One hundred percent. No, <laughs> that's there, what I would do. There, there are people that have an, a, a sensitive conscience, which is it can be really good because they are tuned in. Like they're they don't struggle with the other ditch of hypocrisy where they're yelling it, they're waving their two by four. They're actually overly introspective, always like staring at their own eyes in the mirror, going, "Is there a speck in my <laughs> eye? Is there a speck? I don't. I felt one earlier. I had one last year." I, I can't help anybody else. And the thing is, no, a lot of the time we need those people to do Galatians 6 because they are spiritual. Like they really are repenting of sin and 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 remember that Christ's righteousness is okay, with that you. That makes me sound way holier than I am. We can also be the straining of Nat type people. <laughs> 100%. Like there's multiple ways. But don't let this exhortation, having a generous yeah. measure, keep you from you know, talking to your spouse, having, you know, with your children, with friends in the church, doing Galatians 6, doing Matthew 18. We need, that's the, that's the immune system of the church, is one another, helping one another to follow the Lord. And so our exhortation in this episode is clear eyes, Lord, I've looked in the mirror of your word, by your grace and through faith, repented of the sin, so that I can see clearly to help my brother, whether I then know, see clearly that was an offense to cover, or I need to do what we'll continue to talk about in this ep- in this season, which is biblical peacemaking through the through the means of the gospel in a clean heart before the Lord. You know, I just thought of something that if you consider on average the people that identify in the U.S. as evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. the number of them that actually practice Matthew eighteen, yeah, they probably actually most Christians. Christians, air quotes, do mm-hmm. probably fall into this other boat of like, oh, I can't judge because, yeah. yep. you know, Jesus says yeah. not to judge yeah, and I'm a hypocrite. So that's the judge not ditch where it's like, oh, judge yeah. not. And yeah. I didn't keep reading because the whole point <laughs> of the passage is actually to teach you how to judge rightly. Yeah. It's to teach you to be a yeah, king. That's a really good point. It's to teach you to be a, a queen. It's to teach you how to be a royal priesthood mm-hmm. and a holy nation and a people for his own possession who yeah. no good for me evil and know how to reflect the Lord, and know how to help one another in love, do the hard things, have hard conversations, and be soft people because of it. So if we're not doing that, then we we, we don't adequately understand the gospel, and we're not obeying the Lord. So we hope that the rest of this season, guys, as we continue, is helpful and practical in, un, in demystifying some of these really basic 101 peacemaking things that our sin tends to complicate, our cowardice tends to complicate, 
We want to help you get out of these ditches, get back into fellowship, stop losing your Saturdays, stop losing your evenings, stop spending weeks surly at your husband or at your wife or your children, get back into fellowship. It reminds me of those productivity apps that basically uh-huh. tell you like, you've lost 2.7 hours today scrolling social media. Yeah, yeah. we need, we need one shirt. of those. We need a shirt, a bright heart shirt. Get back you, your Saturday, repent quick. You've <laughs> lost 3.7 hours today being Stewing. being a huge cow. Oh, like, gosh. That's like being a bitter cow. Okay, somebody make us that shirt, send it in. Remember to send us your questions for the next season. This could be about anything, holistic health. It could be about uh, home decor. It could be about the marriage bed. It could be about... Uh, husband stuff, wife stuff, kids stuff, parenting, education, church, productive Christian household. We want your questions. The big broad topic, Titus two stuff. So send it in there. There's a link in the uh, description to that Google form, and I'll post it on my Twitter and stuff as well. So you can you can check there. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting the fundraiser for the next couple albums. That's a big deal in our house. Uh, getting yep, yep. this music out. It's one of the overflows of our house, and we literally couldn't do it without you guys. I think I looked last week at the numbers to fund both of these albums. If everybody who normally within a 30 day period, every unique person who listens to my music in a 30 day period gave $1, it would fund the whole album. What do you mean? It would fund all of it. What do you mean? Every, every unique person. Every unique person. I mean, like you've what? listened to my songs a hundred times. Okay. I don't get a hundred new listeners from that. Just one. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Joe and Cindy and got Luce it, there, got it, know, got it. You know, okay. if everybody who who in, enjoys it chipped in a little bit, we'd get it done. And, okay, that makes and, more sense. And make some because guys, like one of the whole points, of the productive Christian household. The reason I'm sharing this here on Bright Hearth isn't just because it happens to be a thing people listen to, but it's a productive. This is yeah, one of the things we do. Christians yeah. should be about beauty and excellence, and and that's one of the reasons why I, I put so much work and uh, money even into making what I hope is excellent Christian music that is written well, produced well, that will edify you in your household. And particularly this album that I'm working on, Hearth Songs, is really about demonstrating artistically and musically the glory of the ordinary Christian household and marriage and children and parenting and love and all of that that, let's be honest, Christians write a lot of Christian music but we tend to get dominated by the pagans when it comes to like love songs. So yeah, yeah you were talking that. about how a good love song should tell a story. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about all the horrible country songs that are just oh, yeah. about picking people up at a bar. Yeah. It's you remember that one. Yeah. Well, I walked in the bar. Yeah. The that's the one I'm thinking. About. I said, girl, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> we do like country, beautiful. but we suffer through listening to terrible. the local country. I wanted to die station. when I heard that song. Like I wanted, I thought it's I was like, Lord, really take me. It's not a story. No. It's more like a it was like mumble one rap. long pickup line mumble so rap dumb. style. It was so dumb. So go listen to A Mighty Host. Uh, that is the single that I just released a, about a week ago as this is coming out a week or two ago. And it's it's about marriage, Christian life, and the glory of dying with your children's children gathered around you singing That's songs. That's a good story. So I hope it's I hope it serves you and your family, gives you guys a good target for truth, goodness, and beauty. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bright Hearth, everybody. We will catch you next time. And until then, the Lord be with you. <laughs>